Welcome to Market Overdrive. This Wednesday morning on April 12th, my name is Nick Mametti. I am fortunate enough to be here today without the other host, Carla Mina, who had a sudden emergency and work emergency, so she couldn't be here today for today's show. Um, but that's good news, right, Javier? Absolutely. This is Javier Garcia, co-host uh, here with Market Overdrive, NMLS 217-343. And definitely excited uh, with our guest that we have today here on our show. Obviously, uh, there's a new office here in the West Loop uh, with Remax Next. And, you know, do the intro. We have Mike Opied and Rafi Kumar. Guys, welcome on to the show. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Um, today's topic, well, before we get into the topic, let's go a little bit into our guests. We like to, you know call it brag about who we bring on the show because you don't get on the market overdrive unless you've done something or you're doing something magnificent in the Chicago marketplace. Um, we try not to take too many newbies, nothing against newbies, <laughs> but we just want people with a lot of experience so that our, our listeners can get uh, educated. And of course, the lines are always open to Q&A. We haven't really opened them up in the first uh, quarter of us doing the show here since we've moved to WGM. But if you do have a question for Mike um, or his partner, Rafay, is it Rafay? I don't want to say yeah, it wrong. No, Rafay? You're, you're, um, you're more than welcome to call in. The phone number to call in is 312-521-8589. Again, that's 312-521-8589. Let's get into your resumes. Guys, I know you guys have a new thing going on. You recently, Mike, you've recently gone into uh, joining the Remax family. Yep. And I think, Rafa, you've been with the Remax family for a little while. So Correct. why don't you tell us a little bit about the endeavor and uh, a little bit about your backgrounds as well? Yeah, no, I, I moved to U.S. about 10 years ago in um, the American Dream, right? So came here for college. Is um, it the dream or the nightmare? <laughs> so as a foreigner, <laughs> you, you could give us your true honest opinion. Is it the American yeah. Dream or no, the nightmare? No, let's just encourage people. So let's call it the American <laughs> Dream. But uh, went to DePaul University. I um, um, you know, got into banking and um, uh, resigned in 2013 as one of the top bankers. And... Um, you know, joined Caldwell Banker. That was my first brokerage. Uh, I was out of the Vanetka office and uh, rookie of the year, the first year, second year at about 12, 13 million, and then decided that I should open my own company. Uh, Skokie office, um, I was top selling agent in Skokie, decided to go after the Skokie market and uh, interviewed a lot, uh, really settled at, you know, on Remax and thought that was the best company to go with. Um, you know, did that. We've, we've grown to about 15 agents. Um, my personal production has, has tripled and, um, you know, I decided that I should break into the, the downtown market because that's where the volume is. That's where the transaction is. That's where cool people like you guys are. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you <laughs> we <know>. try. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike and I, um, it's a funny story. I'll let Mike talk about his resume real fast, and, um, and then we'll, we'll tell you how, how we met. So it's kind of a funny story. Mike? Yeah. Cool, thanks. Uh, yeah, so uh, most people know me now. I've been around the industry for about nine years. Um, started with KW. You know, I had the corporate background, too. Hated it. Jumped out after two years in the worst economy ever. And then, uh, you know, just kind of fell into real estate, actually, and just became obsessed from the, the day I started talking about it. So doing that, worked at a bunch of different companies. And uh, I was just at that point, you know, I've always wanted to do my own thing, start my own company, brand, everything like that. And, uh, you know, I was kind of looking for an opportunity. And, and actually, Roth and I got together um, kind of ironically after the Cubs won the World Series, we were dumb enough to get together the next day. Uh, <laughs> on that high, huh? On that high, yeah. <laughs> if um, the Cubs can do it, anybody can right? do it. You right? know, it's kind of like a match made in heaven. Too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, you know, 108 years later, the Cubs win, and then the next day we get together, just grab lunch, and then really just kind of hit it off from there. Had a couple more meetings and found that this is definitely a partnership both of us have been looking for. Um, and I didn't really know much about Remax at the time, and uh, I, I, I always kind of mm-hmm. had the view that none of these companies, Coldwell or any of the big names like that, 
really give you the flexibility to do anything outside of what they tell you to do. Uh, and I was dead wrong. You know, Remax actually gives us full autonomy to do kind of whatever we want, and they get right. the big support of the biggest company in the world behind us. So, you know, from that perspective, I mean, it was like a no-brainer, you know, to have all that. Um, and, you know, the show for like, the first two years we've had, it has been a local show. I right. mean, we were on uh, a different network, and it was a live broadcast purely on radio. This show is syndicated nationally, so we can, uh, for those that are listening nationally, Remax is a pretty big brand across the country. I know that specifically when you get into Chicago, there's other big players in the city of Chicago specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and I guess I'll pose the question, you know, Remax is seen in, in Illinois is the absolute powerhouse in the suburbs. Sure. Absolutely. Coming into the city, don't you feel that's an uphill battle or a tougher battle? Because there's some players here in the city that have been pretty predominant. Uh, you come from a, a group that was doing very well in the mm -hmm. city as well. So yep. you understand that whole marketplace. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and it's interesting because that's why I didn't know much about Remax. You know, there's a handful of offices in the city, but um, you know, I, I could really couldn't think back and ever known if I did a deal with the Remax agent. You know, I only knew a kind in the of, city, right? Yeah, in the city, I knew a couple handful of uh, of agents, um, but you know, when I was speaking to Rafi and he was telling me how big it is in the burbs, I knew there was something that we needed to look into a little bit more because a company that big, that's that well globally known should have a presence in Chicago. You know, I mean, yep. they, they need to have that. And it's a well-known brand. So from our perspective, we thought of it, you know, if we could, if we could kind of create a marketplace on the west side where there's not a lot of companies right now, uh, with this big brand behind us, you know, it's going to be very appealing for agents. As I told you pre before the show opened, it was, it was ironic. I went to uh, help a friend out who's been looking into a couple different brands, if you will, to open up an office. So he wanted me to come and give my opinion about the different types of places he was interviewing to open up his first franchise. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm biased to the Remax brand. My parents have been Remax for 25 years. Right. My dad literally just got his Remax Pioneer Award, <clears throat> excuse me, last year. My mom's going to get it this year. So there's obviously a little bit of bias. But as, you know, as a mortgage lender, you can't really be biased to anyone. You just have great right. relationships with people like Cobalt Banker, Century 21, wherever, you know. Um, but... As I'm sitting there, they, 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 they're really hiring you guys because they popped your name on the screen, both your faces on the screen, and I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, oh, I know those guys. They're like, oh, do you? Yeah, you should listen. Tomorrow they're going to be on this radio show and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, they're going to be on Market Overdrive, and it's a really cool show. It's, you know, you can, it's on WGN. I'm like, I'm standing right here, and it's like they're, they're, they don't even realize it. They don't even realize that <laughs> it's here. So naturally I, crack, naturally, I crack the joke. I'm like, yeah, I heard the, the hosts are really great, you know, and, and they're like, yeah, it's a good show. You should watch it sometime. I'm like, I'll, I'll make sure I tune in. Um, yeah. But my point was that they were very optimistic, and, and I'm, I'm watching this uh, entire presentation, and there was uh, a lot of things that I learned that I thought I knew already. You know, after 25 years with your parents in, at Remax, you're thinking – you know everything, but they do offer a lot of resources. And one thing that shocked me was that the average closings for the average Remax agent is literally double That's any true. other yep. company in America. Yeah, yep. nationally, I think it's up to seventeen right now. Right, uh, and the next competitor, closest competitor, is eight. Eight, yeah. so less than half. which was amazing to me. That's it's literally double, double right. second yep. place. So, you know, again. Maybe you're in Santa Barbara right now listening to the show. Maybe you're in Manhattan listening to the show, and Remax is not the big player in that particular location. But when you take the national average, it is still number one yep. as far as production is concerned. But with that being said, now that we got the resumes out of the way, let's talk about what happened. The first quarter is over in the books. March 31st just passed us. Was it good? Was it bad? Javier, give me something on your side. Um, right now, what I'm currently seeing in the marketplace is obviously yeah, everyone's hearing it. It's a seller's market. 
right? So there's not enough inventory out there in the marketplace. Um, they're stating that consumer confidence is not strong, and I definitely would have to you know, object to that. I don't think that it's strong in the sense that the consumers don't want to buy. I just think that consumers are discouraged because it's so difficult to find what you actually want to buy. Um, and, you know, just taking a look at some statistics and just based off of last year's sales, owner-occupied sales were up 12.5% from 2015. Um, investment purchases were actually up 4.5%. The one thing that did decline significantly, actually declined 21% um, just last year alone, was second home and vacation home purchases, You know, which is understandable, especially with everything that was happening in the marketplace. But as of right now, you know, home sales are strong. Um, one of the things that is you know, kind of a, up there in the air is just the new construction, right? So anytime that there is a lack of inventory, the only way to resolve that is by building. Right. So I'm definitely seeing a lot of activity um, in a lot of different marketplaces. I, for myself, I lend in all 50 states. I was just talking to the guys. I'm actually going to be going to Texas um, for a builder uh, conference that they're having down there just because there's a lot of new construction that's happening in Texas. Right. Um, I do lending in Atlanta and there's a lot of new construction. I'm seeing a lot of developments that are actually happening here in the suburbs. You know, we talk about Remax and their presence um, in the suburban in the suburban area. And that's what I'm currently seeing right now in the marketplace. You're seeing all the cranes, you know, here in the downtown. Chicago well, yeah. area as yeah. well too so I definitely think it's going to be a strong market it's definitely a seller's market but I definitely think that we're going to get a little bit creative like at least for myself and my organization I know that we're starting to dabble a little bit more into construction loans rehabilitation loans because when there's a lack of inventory now you're going to have to go look for some of those properties that are a little bit require that TLC uh, right. as we like to put on the uh, on the listing sheets and everything else but I definitely think it's going to be a market where we're going to have to get creative and maybe create our own market and our own inventory. I read something the other day that we're actually number 1 in permits in the country. Really? Chicago. Yep, we have the that. most permits going on right now in as far as in, in out of any major city as far as construction. There's going to be more residential put up in the city of, city of Chicago. I'm not including the suburbs here. Than any other city, so that's that's pretty encouraging news. Looks like we're creating some inventory, um, but what do you guys what do you guys have as far as the first quarter that just passes? What what's your um, analysis on it? Was it a good quarter, bad quarter, different from the fourth quarter of last year? Yeah, no, it's it's been somewhat of a, a, a kind, of, kind of funny market, I would say. Um, just tons tons of inventory, but uh, anything that's that's overpriced is sitting. Mm-hmm. But anything that's right, just fair market value, multiple offers. I mean, I've had so many disappointed buyers just because we're making making offers and we're constantly just losing properties. Um, so, so, so yeah. I mean, the inventory is out there. It's just really pricing it, and then kind of how we were talking about c- consumer confidence. I kind of kind of agree, but uh, to, to some extent. But confidence was high. Did you say or confidence is low? I'm a little um, under well, weather, so I might saying, miss something here. No, there. they're saying consumer confidence is low. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's what the reports say on the National Association of Realtors website. Wow, Mike. Yeah, you know, it's actually is a. It was a really weird first quarter because typically in Chicago, you know, we get these hammered by storms, you know, snow, the cold, the wind. Um, but you know, thanks to the unex- uh, non-existing global warming that we hear so much about, uh, we've had a really unseasonally warm winter. Farmer, farmer's Almanac said this is supposed to be our worst yep. winter in over 50 yeah. years, and it snowed twice. Yeah. yeah. So I don't yeah, know who's doing that. these things, but okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, because of that, though, that's really created still a seller's market during, uh, during that time. And usually in the winter times when you get the best deals, you know, the holidays, uh, Christmas, rolling into the first quarter, you know, you typically get these bad storms that people don't want to shop during that time. And any seller that's selling during that time, 
know, they're typically selling for a reason, and they're willing to take maybe a little bit less or price it really competitively just to get rid of the thing. Because if you're selling during the middle of the winter, there's typically a reason for it, right? Because nobody likes to move when there's three feet of snow on the ground. But when there's not, and it's warm, sure. and we got spring-like temperatures, I mean, it was like 70 in February. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's out shopping during that time. So we've right. had a really weird spring where it's still been a crazy seller's market, and it's only going to pick up now that spring's actually really here. You listen to Market Overdrive, where you can obviously listen to us on WGN Radio's podcast. Subscribe to it. Go straight to iTunes, whether you have an Android or an Apple, iPhone, whatever it is. Subscribe to it on iTunes, and you will be able to see this show and any other show in the past, as well as, of course, all their social, social media channels. You have us on Facebook, forward slash Market Overdrive, which we are live on right now. Hello, hello, hello. And then, of course, we have it on YouTube, where you can also catch any of our shows that will be cataloged, depending on the subject, uh, and go back there and... Look into whatever you're looking for on YouTube. And soon to be, our website will be live where you will have reaction stream where you as a consumer can uh, watch a show and, of course, you know, rant, rave, complain, tell us we're awesome, tell us we absolutely suck. Whatever works for you, uh, you can get into our hosts and our guest hosts and all that fun stuff. If you have a question today, you can obviously give us a call. The lines are open to take a call, even though I don't know if I know how to use these switches yet, but I'll figure it out because I have the producer in my ear. The phone number is 312 312- Five two one eighty five eighty nine again. That's three one two five two one eighty five eighty nine. Going back to the age old issue, I mean, it seems like you know every time we talk about market trends or we talk about the past or the future, and we'll get into the future in a second. What we think the second quarter is about. It seems like the last three years have had the same daunting complaint. Uh, I guess it works for both sides, the buyers and the sellers. Uh, the buyers are complaining there's nothing to buy. And the agents are complaining there's nothing to buy because you have people waiting in line. You know, I think we all have some form of a CRM system where, oh, the Smiths want to buy a condo in the West Loop and the Johnsons want to buy a condo in Bucktown or whatever. It goes so forth and so on. And then, you know, there's only one two-bedroom for sale in the West Loop. There's only one one bedroom for sale in Bucktown or whatever the case is. So it seems like inventory... Uh, and this is a national complaint. This isn't just Chicago. I know there's some pockets of the country that have plenty of inventory, uh, but generally speaking, the inventory has been the number one struggle from the past, uh, recent past, because I know that prior to 2012, there was no inventory issues. In fact, there was too much inventory. Right. But it's ironic because we've gone from this extreme way in 09 and 10 where you can almost buy a property for free, just take over the taxes. I mean, literally, some cities and municipalities had take over the taxes and it's yours. <laughs> I think that's in Detroit. Right. Um, and then <laughs> now you're in a situation where there's nothing to buy. Right. You know, and I, and I feel like, um, care. You know, regardless of what consumer confidence is, mm-hmm. I'm just a traditional thought process with supply and demand. You know, as long as there's no supply, the demand will always be high. I don't care what you're selling. You know, if you're the only guy in Chicago that has a hot dog left, that hot dog's going to go to about a thousand dollars versus a dollar ninety nine, right? <laughs> Because right. there's going to be someone that's really craving that hot dog today. There'll be a line waiting for that last hot dog. I mean, that's what we do here in Chicago, hot dogs and pizza, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, if you're the only person with a three-bedroom town condo in West Loop, you, you're going to set the price that's right. as long yeah. as it's reasonable. You know, you're not going to fetch something that's 100000 overpriced, but you'll set the price. And I don't see how consumer confidence can really play an issue when you have the, the age-old story of supply and demand still exactly. being here. So, yeah. I mean... Um, it sounds like supply is still rough in the areas you're working. And we're talking specifically about Chicago now. But if it's there, do you see prices going down? Absolutely uh, No. 
Not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. There's I mean, a... there's just the supply that does exist is in areas that people really do not want to buy into quite yet. You know, kind of the outskirts of the city. Anything within, you know, the popular areas like a West Loop, River North, Streeterville, Gold Coast, Bucktown, I mean, you name it. Anything that's a good a property will have multiple offers on it. And it's going to sell for over a list. And people are doing crazy things to get properties now where they're waiving mortgage contingencies, yes. appraisal contingencies. You know, I mean, you know, inspection you, contingencies, inspection contingencies right. you name it. There's, I mean, it, there's a huge level of desperation. Uh, I have three properties. properties that I actually got three purchase contracts in the last two weeks where the properties aren't even 50% complete yet. And they're already right. under contract. Yeah. You know, it's just like, that's the kind of market it is. You know, the mm-hmm. realtors are like, Hey, this property is still not complete yet, but they'll go let you go over the specs and everything else. So you can see exactly what the blueprints and everything are going to look like. Do you want to go under contract? And people are going under contract with right. properties like that. Also keep in mind the global effect, right? So we've got people from all these different countries also trying to invest a lot of money. So I think Javier and I, we, we talked about this before. Uh, I think 2015, 2016, about 55% people, um, transactions were foreign money. Money right. coming from, from India, from China, from Canada. Um, so not only it's local uh, buyers, but now it's foreign buyers as well. So we're competing with them as well. Uh, and that's just why uh, the, the supply is just not enough. And there's tons of demand. So Absolutely. We don't like that, Javier, do we? Foreign money, no, foreign no. money comes in. We can't do a loan. It's usually cash. <laughs> usually cash. It's not good for cash. our business. It's not good right? for our business. No matter, you know, it's it's good for you guys though. Um, getting into, uh, you guys are very big on the buy side. I know you know you guys have a, a system in place. At least I'm familiar with the system you used to be in place. That you generate a lot of buyers and all that stuff. But as far as generating sellers, has that been a focus for a lot of agents now? Because it seems like that's the only way to fix this problem: moving people to actually sell. Okay. A has it become something that's in the recent moments uh, with the lack of inventory that's at the forefront of your thought process? And B, when you do get a potential listing or seller, what are some of the things you're hearing? Why aren't they selling these properties? Mike, go ahead. You know, I think a lot of people have recently bought, so a lot of them are scared of that. You know, in the last, you know, after the inventory kind of dried up, what, you know, 2012 or something like that, that's when a lot of people were starting to get back into the market. So, you know, typically people are in houses or condos five to seven years. And then, you know, in Chicago, at least, you know, you get the bachelor, he buys a place, you know, gets engaged, they have a kid, they move to the burbs. And we're seeing a lot, a lot of people are doing that anymore because the city is thriving. So people are staying longer and people bought only a few years ago. And even though they might be able to sell it, they're just not willing to, to take that risk without getting a huge gain out of it. Cause they hear all the stories of, you know, their friends selling and getting 50 grand over a list or, you know, walking away with these big profits, and they know they can hold on to it for a little bit longer, wait it out for another year or two, and they'll get even larger gains, you know. So they're a little more reluctant to, to sell right now than they normally would have been. Yeah, that's that's pretty big sort of question that comes up when, when we're doing listening presentations. A lot of sellers saying, hey, what is the right time? Should we maybe wait another six months? Should we, should we wait next year? Let's just rent it out and then come back in the market so maybe we can have, like Mike said, higher gains. Um, so really – Talking to them about the market timing, that's that's been... At what point in time would you guys advise on someone to whether they should sell or whether hold on to the property? Well, for me, I would usually tell them, like, what's what's their goal for buying? Because I think that's a big thing, right? Like, so it's one thing about the selling piece, but if they have to buy a new place, they wait a year, they might price themselves out of the market, right? So, I mean, the 
the rates are supposed to go up. I don't know, Javier and Nick, you guys could tell us if they actually are going to. But oh, they will. They will. There's no doubt about that. Yes. I mean, the question is how much. But they're right. gonna, they're not going to stay here. Right. Right. So in the way our prices have been going, I mean, I mean, they're going. They're skyrocketing. You know, right. we have no inventory, so everything sells, and it's kind of like a leapfrog effect where the next one sells higher than the the one right before it. So. You know, in a year from now, they might not be able to afford what they're really looking for. You know, right. so you kind of tell them, like, look, you might only walk with a small gain now, but take that small gain, put it into a, a house you're going to be in for permanently, you know, for the next 10 to 15 years uh, before you become empty nesters, you know, or whatnot, right. and then move out. So it's like that, it's that next big move that I think people are a little reluctant to do because um, they want to make a big gain. But realistically, if they keep waiting, you know, they're going to price themselves out of anything good that they, you know, really could afford right now. So I think the snapshot of the first quarter sounds like it was pretty good, but the problems are still chronic. There's a lack of inventory. It could be even better if the inventory opened up. Right. The argument is the consumer confidence is low, but it doesn't reflect on what the first quarter production was like, right. at least not you know, in our particular area. And I know there's a lot of other metro areas that had a very good first quarter as well. Um, let's get into the inevitable second quarter. I mean, people are watching because they want to know our opinions of what tomorrow is going to alert. I should say the present and you know, the next three months for us as well. Do you guys feel, uh, I guess we'll start with Mike first and we'll go from there all the way around the corner here. Um, do you guys feel that there's, um, how do you feel about prices going up or staying the same or going down over the next quarter? How do you feel about the amount of transactions? And last but not least, do you feel that the supply will open up or is it going to stay stagnant and tight the way it's been? Yeah. Yeah, I do think prices are going to continue to go up. Um, one of the things we're dealing with right now is a, almost like an oversupply of rental properties. And that was the biggest thing with all these buildings being built, all this new construction was, you know, people were realizing that paying these astronomical amounts to rent a place, they could actually, it's actually more affordable to buy in Chicago. Right. Um, so for that reason, I still think it's going to be even a crazier market. You know, the prices are going to continue to go up. There's going to be more buyers out there looking, especially with the warm weather uh, even more warmer weather coming around the corner when typically people are looking in the springtime. Um, so I don't really see a change there. Um, the supplies is still going to be a struggle for us. Uh, we have tons of cranes up around Chicago, but... They're not ready yet. They're not ready yet, <laughs> and, and unfortunately, most of them are rental buildings. Right. Um, you know, to get financing on a, a big condo building is very difficult because there's, the numbers don't make sense. It's, imp- it's so expensive to build. That any of these condo buildings you see going up are multi-million dollar properties, right? Like uh, Rennell on the River is, is 1.5 and up or right. whatever. That's the know, entry level. That's entry level, right? right? Like, well, how many first-time buyers have over a million dollars to spend? They don't. And you want to spend $1.5 million to be in the garden unit, essentially. Exactly. It's kind of right? crazy. So, right. uh, yeah, you know, you're living above the lobby. Right. So, it's, uh, so that's the problem right now is our inventory, until it comes back to the point where they're building condos in that three to $500,000 range, we're never going to see what we saw uh, during the boom, boom years or even a healthy market, right? Like, so usually you get, you know, six months worth of inventory is a healthy market. I mean, we're at like one month worth of inventory in pretty much any of the hot areas, and it's, it's not going to change anytime soon. You want to add to that? Get a little closer to Mike so yeah. we can hear you good. Yeah, no, I um, I agree. I think a lot of people have um, held back the inventory, and uh, a lot of sellers are going to uh, be pretty confident about, about listing their property. So there's going to be a good inventory um, that's going to be just unloaded all of a sudden in the next couple of months, but then the prices are also going to go up. Um, and uh, kind of going back to that um, uh, that uh, discussion we were having earlier, um, just one fact I like to tell my clients is um, uh, really understanding the end goal, right? I mean, are you planning on buying a property? Are you planning on just cashing out and, and, and renting or whatever? Because every single percent that goes up, the buyer loses 10% of their buying power. So that's a pretty powerful fact as well. I'm sure both of you know that. Right. So, 
Um, so now I, I think the inventory is going to come in the market and prices are going to continue going up, like Mike said. Go ahead, jump in, man. What you got up here? I think that What's people your are going to have to get a little bit quarter? more flexible um, in regards to search criteria and everything else. I think the lack of inventory and everything is going to make people a little bit more um, flexible with maybe location. You know, I tend to see that a lot of people right now, you know, are starting to see that, you know, specific markets are just maybe either there's not enough inventory or because of the lack of inventory, that marketplace is technically moving north. So now they're no longer meeting the qualification requirements to even buy in those specific marketplaces. Um, for me as a lender, one thing that I think I've kind of looking at as a quarter two, quarter three thing is um, rehabilitation loans. For some reason, I am getting a lot more requests because of the lack of inventory. It's like, hey, Javier, we have a property. We don't think it's going to meet FHA requirements. It's definitely going to require some form of rehab loan because there's a lot of not just minor cosmetic things, but just other items that need to be repaired. So I think that we're going to just basically open up a little bit more of the possibility of buying properties that they can possibly do a little bit of rehab work to meet their demands. So you're, so you're saying the future, what's going to be in vogue is more fixing up and moving in versus I think so. just you know turnkey moving. I think personally, specifically with first-time home buyers. The way that the market is moving and the price points in which they're moving to, they're going to have, in order for them to buy in their desirable area, <clears throat> they're going to have to look for a property that's going to require some form of repairs and for them to be able to do some form of rehabilitation on it. I really do think that because if you're looking at, you know, downtown Chicago and the average construction now, you know, like Mike was saying, is, you know, 800 yeah. to 1.1 million, well, maybe you might have to buy into, you know, a condo that maybe doesn't have updated finishes and everything else and maybe possibly invest into that so that, that way you create your own marketplace. So that's what I'm seeing as a trend. All right. I'm screwing up here because I think I had a call and I just totally missed it. Um, all right. Well, we'll move on from that. The the thing that um, kind of goes back to what you said something in the very beginning that was uh, interesting um, before I give you any of my prediction. I think the market's positive moving forward and there's a lot of reasons for it and I'll get that in, into a second. But the the uh, you know pre crash I've been doing this for 22 years so as the market was crashing uh, when you're sitting front and center stage with one of the biggest mortgage lenders in the sit in the state you're really curious as how long this is going to happen how long is this going to go for are we just going to have a few slow months or is this going to keep getting worse and worse and worse uh, so early 07 is when I dug into uh, a lot of stuff that I never cared about and the one thing that kept coming up no matter whose opinion of oh this should be over by the end of 07 oh this is going to last through 2009 one guy said it's going to last through 2010 and everybody called him a jerk you know but he was being more of a realist you know um the one thing that you know everybody kind of pointed back to uh, and Mike you mentioned it early in in your your snapshot of what you think is going to happen um values don't equal rents right. you know so for example I'll give you a scenario that used to happen a lot in, in Lombard in the Oak Brook area where we were doing a lot of loans at the time. Somebody would buy a $500,000 townhouse, you know, mm -hmm. and they would put down 5%, mortgage 450000 uh, And, you know, all in their mortgage payment would be like between taxes, insurance, assessments, like $4,000 or 4100 or whatever, right? They couldn't rent it for more than like 2300 You know, so that's a situation where you have value is way too far and above rentability right. you know so why would you buy a place that you you have a four thousand dollar payment on and you can't even clear that if you had to rent it you're playing the appreciation game you're going to buy it and sell it buy it and sell it it's like a hot potato right 
But you said something about, you know, it's cheaper to own than rent. And a lot of these uh, people in the industry were saying when rents catch up to prices and it becomes level, that's when you have a stable market. And you're sitting here saying, one of your opening statements in in the question was, um, it's cheaper to own than to rent. Mm -hmm. So now it feels like, you know, and I could tell you in 2010 and 11 when when supply was huge and nobody wanted to buy a place, landlords had their way. Everybody wanted to rent something because they were too afraid to invest in $400,000 and go in debt in something that might still go down in appreciation, as far as you know. So then a landlord would you know, have his way, and he was renting it for 3200 on the last lease. Now it's 3400 and then the next time he gets a new tenant, it's going to be 3500 you know? And I think that's the key. I think that's always going to be the key. Is as long as rents balance out with appreciation or with values, you're always going to have that concept. And I think every market's strong when you say it's cheaper to own than to rent. Which brings me to a curious position with these, you said these, these, these buildings that are going up are predominantly rentals. Where does that put them if, they're, right. you know, if their game plan is to rent a two-bedroom for $4,000 a month, but you can buy one, and let's face it, a two-bedroom for $400,000 right now is a lot less than $4,000 right. a month. Right. You know, so how, does that, how is that going to work out for the landlords in this world, and how is that going to work out for the market? You know? um, but that's you know, where I see, as long as that's always available and the rents and the, and the appreciation and the, the values are fair and level with each other, you're not going to have an explosion down the one direction. Because at one point, let's face it, it was, a, it was a rental explosion. Everybody wanted to rent. Nobody wanted to buy something. So <clears throat> as far as forecast, though, my opinion is, you know, it's going to stay strong just because the rates are going up. That's something that, you know, everyone could admit uh, after hearing the Fed's announcement literally two weeks ago. But when they say that, they don't mean that the rates are going from 4 to 6% tomorrow morning. They're going to steadily right. increase. And they increase as far as, you know, when the feds make these announcements, what they think the market can handle to balance off uh, stuff like inflation and all that other fun stuff. Um, but with that being said, to, uh, to not buy because you feel the rates have gone out of control, I mean, we're talking about 4 and 5% here. Yeah. You know, what's out of control is the appreciation levels. And, and help me out with this, Mike. What has been what you've seen as far as appreciation level over the last year? Is it 6, 10, 11%? Yeah, two years ago <clears throat> was uh, 13.4%. And then last year was about 8%. And uh, from everything I've been seeing, they're, they're predicting about 5 to 8% again this year. And that's like, that's the major like downtown Chicago area and, and close surrounding areas like River North, West Loop, South Loop. Right. So, I mean, it, it's still going way up. So, you sit on the fence because your four percent turned into a four and a half. Half a point on four hundred thousand dollars is eh, two thousand dollars a year in interest, right? Mm-hmm. Give or take. But it goes up eight percent in value on that four hundred thousand dollar property, which is thirty two thousand dollars in appreciation. Does it make sense to sit on the sideline for interest rate? Absolutely no. not. No. It's never good. No, it's never. And, and that's that's the thing that I think people need to get used to. It's like the interest rate thing does play a role in qualifying but shouldn't play in a role in decision-making. You know, it's actually ironic. Every single time there's a rate hike, that's where usually you get a surge of home buyers who are now desperate. Because they think it's going to get out of control. Because they gonna get, think it's going to get out of control, right? So it's just one of those situations mm. where you just got to act. No matter what, you know, at the end of the day, even if it's a 5% interest rate. I remember when I first got into this industry, I was selling 8% interest rates, yeah. right? So 45 5% is still a good rate. And it's always a lot better than paying someone else's mortgage. <clears throat> so with that being said, if the optimism is high, and you guys feel the optimism is high going into the second quarter, at least specifically in your marketplace here in Chicagoland, and I think this is going to go for any market where it's been tough. I think we had a famous story that we mentioned on the air once. Boston had an open house 
that literally the fire department or police department had to come out because there was a line too long down the street for the one house that had an open house. They were blocking roads. There was too many cars on the street parked, and there was people waiting to see this one house. Now, I haven't heard those kind of stories here, but it's still tight. What is the advice you would give to somebody that's trying to buy with inventory this tight going into this quarter? I mean, I have clients that I've pre-approved, and they're calling me every day. I put an offer the other day on another property. I'm like, that's great. Did you get it? No, I'm waiting to see. I'm like, how much was the how, how much were they asking? They're like three fifty. I'm like, how much do you offer? Three fifteen. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Where's the property? West Loop. I'm like, oh, here. It's you're not going to get it, you know. And they just don't understand that they're going to constantly be doing this. Their, their mindset hasn't changed. They think there's still right. a ton of negotiating in, right. a, in a property, which there was back at one point. Right. But yeah, yeah no. Um, I think a lot of consumers are still stuck in that that mindset of uh, in the market crash. That okay, well, we can go in about. 10 to 15 or 20 percent below market market price so really what i tell my clients listen if this is a property that you like you know agents do a pretty good job of comping it out right they're looking at comps pretty accurately uh they're very well aware of the fact so really go in what, what at the asking price if not more if you really want the property that's the only way of, of getting the property off market relatively quickly otherwise you're going to be in a multiple offer situation you're going to end up paying a lot more than you were gonna um, should it be the first or second day that you were uh, going to make an offer. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at the list price, go after the list price. Don't think that you can come in 30 40% or $30,000, $40,000 under that, that number and then try to negotiate that up because that's just wasting time. I agree. And it's yeah. like almost like a teamwork because <laughs> I almost have that same conversation with my buyers, you know, when I'm doing my intake with them and letting them know what the marketplace is like and let them know. But like the days where you could do a lowball offer – you know they're they're not there unless you're buying something long gone, long gone. <laughs> that yeah. is a complete gut rehab that right. you know this is you know been on the market for four or five months and no one's buying. I'm like right. that would be the only time you should ever submit an offer below asking price. I'm like right now, I'm telling my realtors and especially some of my rookies where it's like once you submit an offer, you got to follow up on that offer consistently for that first 24 hours to see exactly where your status is or where you're even at based off of the offers that they currently have available. So it's just kind of good of setting that precedent. I think if the buyer hears that from not only their lender but their real estate agent, maybe all of a sudden starts to sink in a little bit more. It is is a teamwork. And, and again, uh, uh, even foreclosure properties, I mean, you know, they they come in at 90 95%, 96% of list price to a regular conventional transaction. So, um, yeah, it's a different market. You can't lowball anymore like you used to back five years ago. Well, you said something interesting earlier that you either have – I don't know if we were on the air yet or we were. it was before we went on the air. You either have people that um, price right and those houses move within, I mean, what's the 13-day supply right now in, in West Loop or certain parts of the city? The house hits the market and it's under contract within 13 days. Mm-hmm. It's insane. But then you said something that some people get a little greedy and they overprice it. And it's got, like, essentially that listing has the plague. You know, so m- it sounds like most stuff that's being listed is being priced to what it truly is. I would, almost, I would almost disagree with that. Oh, like, yes and no, Nick. Okay. Um, so what I'm seeing actually a lot of is, um, and it's, it's a tactic a lot of agents use, they'll actually list it lower than what the comps say. I've heard this. And they yes. will literally Smart get agents. 30 offers on it, and it's happened constantly. I'll, I'll comp out a property for a buyer, and I'm like, guys, this is way underpriced. And the only reason to do that is to just gain a ton of traction on traction. it. You know, they'll, they'll hold it off showing it to the open house on Saturday, they have 5,000 people come through. They'll get 150 offers, um, and then they'll do a highest to best at that point. I mean, that's a lot a lot of agents are doing now. So you're saying if the place is truly worth 450 on an appraised value, agents are listing at 425 Yep. Yep. as an example, yep. or even worse than that. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and 
I slightly have, um, you know, different opinion of that too. It, it's really a conversation with the sellers, right? Because a lot of times it's really difficult to explain to a seller that, hey, this is a strategy. That's one of the strategies yep. that, hey, listen, this is fair market value, 450. Let's go in about 425 or 435 to 10% below market value. That's one strategy. I mean, the seller needs to understand the strategy. But a lot of people are like, hey, listen, if it's worth 450, why not start 475 or, 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 or 500,000? And then if it doesn't sell, or let's keep a little room for negotiation. So, uh, that's a that's a conversation that a, a strong agent, a qualified agent should have with the seller saying that, listen, this is the strategy. We're going to get you a little more at the end of the day because we're going to open it up to a bigger pool of buyers and we're going to have multiple offers coming in. It's a great strategy, you know, especially if for someone who's starting out, who's, you know, putting their first listing on the property or anything like that. It's going to generate you a list, right? So you're going to always get potential buyers who are not being represented or anything like that. So it's a great way for you to be able to farm and create buyers for yourself when you're putting properties on the market. I always tell, you know, any any realtors who are getting fresh into the market, like, hey, what advice would you give me when, you know, setting up? I'm like, first off, here's realtor A, B, and C. They've been doing this for a while. Give them a call, take them out for coffee, and, you know, be able to maybe share some best practices. I'm like, but what I would recommend, you want to get some leads off of your listing as well too, right? That's the best way the smart agents do it that way. So when you list low, a lot of the times you get these – buyers who don't really want to be represented or don't want to commit to a realtor and they're going to call your listing directly definitely helps i'm a fan of the lower i think that that makes a lot of sense and and i think that it's from what i've seen over to what's the biggest buying pool we have millennials right now yep yeah yep. um they're a little bit different from generation x and, and some of the people ahead of them they're, they're pretty smart they've got a lot of information at their fingertips now with the internet um, they they have an opinion of what they think something's really worth. Not necessarily always accurate because they use sites that are sometimes inaccurate, as we all know. I'm not going to give any <laughs> yeah. PR to those places. <laughs> um, but but the reality is is like they 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 feel like they can shop from home, and they you know what not, not necessarily wrong about that, but at least they're getting educated. But I feel like that um, they're wise enough to know if a deal is bad. So, for example, if you have a millennial looking at a specific marketplace and they see that most one-bedroom or two-bedroom condos are going for 450000 as an example, but then this one is on the market for five because you had that attitude of a seller that says, well, if I can get it, why not? You know, right. The marketplace, I mean, people are just too smart nowadays. Yeah. They're well-informed. Most agents are using the same tactic that it's going to be a bidding war and they're going in prepared and that's probably a whole other show on how to win those multiple offer offers but it's the norm now in certain areas and you know how how often have we did it when we're talking to our buyer like listen you're probably not going to win if you're going to try and get fha financing and you only want to put down two thousand dollars on earnest money you're just gonna have to up the game a little bit here and you know and um so i i feel like that uh that concept and that uh that attitude going in keeps the market strong as well you know yep. everything being sold over list uh, is is always good for the marketplace and good for the activity and good for the confidence, if you will. Yeah. Um, but the only problem that we still run into is sometimes these things, the bids get really high, and we still have appraisal issues at times. Yeah, absolutely. It does happen, yep. which is scary, you know. Um, but for those that want to overlist, you have only one opportunity. Am I not right? Once you put on the market and sat there for eight, you know, eight months and no one bought it because it was overpriced and how do you really come back as an agent and reprice it and relist it i mean it's tough right and usually that first agent kind of loses that listing then the next one comes in has that realistic conversation with the seller and magically it sells at where it should have been listed at to begin with yeah. so i think a lot has to do with the agent though i mean 
I would never take an overpriced listing like that. It's just... Uh, it's tough it, on you. It's tough on me. You're going to put all this effort and time into it, knowing it's never going to sell at that, just so you could market yourself. And I've seen agents do it all the time, but realistically, you got to, you know, we got to make money off our, our commissions. That's how we pay our bills. So you could use that marketing if that's how you, you know, feel that's a good strategy. But realistically, if it doesn't sell, you're not going to make any money off it anyways. You're going to throw all this time, energy, marketing into it. So why take a listing like that? So I think Absolutely. a lot of it comes back to, you know, the agents having that realistic conversation with the seller. And I, I, I've had listings where I come in, I'm the second guy in and it sells right away. Once that seller realizes it's never going to sell at that price point, gets rid of that agent, the new agent comes in and it sells. It's like if that agent did his job the first time or didn't take that listing, you know, it would have sold right away. Yeah. I'm going to go Carla Mina on everybody for a second. Sounds like the optimism is high for the second quarter, but then right. we're going to do what Carla would do, which is totally wrong. How do you feel about your second quarters? She'll get personal. She'll be like, are you going to make more money than before? I mean, how much money? Because I think she just wants to know. Right. So we're gonna, we're gonna, this is in the spirit of Carlamina not being here. How do you guys feel about your – you're opening a new office, so it's a good question. Yep. How do you feel about right. your second quarter uh, going in? Now, I, I personally, my, my, the listing volume has gone up. Uh, it's, it's more than double, tripled. So, and again, going back to our earlier conversation that summer's coming up, a lot of buyer, sellers are very optimistic about the price. They, they're, they're looking to get the maximum profit and then gains. So a lot of listings are coming in the market. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a fantastic um, second quarter for us. And, um, you know, again, that's, that's one of the reasons we opened this office and wanted to open at the right timing because we understand there's going to be plenty of demand and we need people to come help us and, and grow the office and then really go Where's your office sales. located again, Rafi? Ten forty six West Kinsey. Ten forty West Kinsey. West Loop, yep. yeah. West Loop. Nice. We have an awesome location. We're super fan of, of the decor and everything and then the decor is amazing. I've yeah. went to go take a look at their office last week and I absolutely one of the nicer offices that I've been to. Any more space in the so. building? I'm looking to move them myself. So. <laughs> you can bunk with us. Yeah. Bunk with us. <laughs> I need more. I'm having a hard time finding the right space myself, so it's been a nightmare, to be honest with you. Um, That's awesome. It's West Loop, man. I'm moving next to you. Yeah, we're going to be buddies, man. We're neighbors. Roommates. Yeah. <laughs> cool yeah. new gym opening up around there, I heard. I yeah, know, right? Yeah. Um, well, let's do a wrap-up, man. It's been 40, 45 minutes. Let's get into, um, you know, if we can, the takeaways here. Uh, you know, again, you're listening to Market Overdrive. We had our guest today, Rafai. Raf- I don't want to say it wrong. Rafay or Rafai? Keep trying, man. No, no. That's, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely Rafay. right. Rafay. You Rafay, got it. Rafay Kamar and Mike Opit from Remax Next. Brand new office here opening up in the West Loop. And, and apparently there's one that exists in the suburbs as well. Yeah, there's one in Skokie. There's one in Skokie we're, as well. Right. And we're expanding more in the city as well. We're signing actually in the next couple of months opening a second office in River North as well. So we're very it's excited awesome. about that. You can catch these two fine young gentlemen on our Facebook live feed, which will eventually post into an archive folder as well as our YouTube channel, which will be out probably on Monday. You Catch the whole show edited, cleaned up, and making everybody look all pretty. And, of course, it'll be edited and available on our podcast through WGN Family. Go to iTunes and just subscribe to Market Overdrive, and you'll see both um, our guests and, of course, Javier Garcia with the Federal Savings Bank and myself, Nick Mimedia Bailon. Um, guys, let's wrap up and give a takeaway. First of all, on everything we said, what's the one thing that a, a client should take away from this conversation? And uh, something quick and simple. and uh, Be aggressive. With any offer you're making, be aggressive and go and see. If you see a property you love, see it that day. Take the lunch hour, you know, leave work early because it's gone the next day. Don't so take the weekend to think about it. Don't take the weekend. <laughs> don't get four or five properties before you go see, you, want, you see, you know, need to set up a tour. Go immediately and then be very aggressive with your price right in the beginning. Throw your best terms out there and uh, hopefully no other offers come in and you get it right away. Love it. 
Perfect. Work with a good experienced agent, have your ducks in a row, get the pre-approval out, just taken care of right away before making an offer, submit the package, and just be aggressive. Like like Mike said, go after the list price. Don't lowball anymore. You? You know me? You got something? It's always about being prepared. So making sure your financing is lined up, make sure you got all of your documents, believe it or not, being able to offer a short escrow close on your contract as well, too, when you're submitting your offers is definitely something that you can take away from that. Um, obviously, making sure that, you know, open lines of communication with your real estate agent, setting expectations. And I definitely would agree, don't wait to go look at the properties. If you see a property that hits the market and it fits your criteria, Go look at it because these properties are not lasting on the marketplace too long. There you have it. It sounds like a crystal ball has been told. It's going to be a slugfest. You're walking into a ring. You're going to be getting into some <laughs> fights. The second quarter doesn't look any different from the first quarter. Actually, you know, it's spring and summertime, so it usually gets tougher. More bids, more buyers. The inventory hasn't changed. doesn't look like it's going to change much. Um, so if you're going to go into a fight, make sure you have your gloves on and you're prepared to fight. Make sure you train. Make sure you do the whole nine yards. Pre-approval is the right agent. Make sure you're just ready to make a decision really quick. You have to react immediately. Um, and I think that as far as, you know, the like I said, the, the crystal ball is still strong, at least in the immediate future, even though consumer confidence is low. I, I still haven't felt it, but, hey, whatever they say, whatever they say. Um, inventory, supply, demand is always going to dictate the marketplace, and that's always been my opinion. I could be wrong. You know, I don't get paid to make those decisions, though. Huh? Um, sure to give the money. Guys, where do we get a hold of you, and how do we get a hold of you for anybody listening today and wants to work with you guys at Remax next? Yeah, uh, I'm really easy to get a hold of. Uh, just mikeopen at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to get a hold of me, it's 312-929-8910 on my cell. Yeah, my uh, full name, rafa.kamar, gmail.com. We have a website, which is join.remax.com. Go over there. It has all the details, our plans and everything. And um, come see us. We'd love to talk to you. Awesome. And I'm Javier Garcia. You guys can always reach me at 312-738-6074, or you could email me at closemyloan at thefederalsavingsbank.com, NMLS 217-343. Ooh, closemyloan.com. <laughs> I like that. I'm pretty simple. You just go to info at marketoverdrive.com. You submit any questions and concerns you have for us. You've been listening to Market Overdrive. We will see you again here next Wednesday at 10 a.m. You can follow us once again on Facebook forward slash Market Overdrive. Go to our website. Next week, hopefully, we will be live streaming with Reaction Stream as our partner where you can react to our our show as it happens at 10 a.m. You can go to marketoverdrive.com and watch that show live. This show, of course, will be archived on that site on all our social media channels as well. So thanks for listening. Hopefully you guys learned something about the first quarter. And, of course, going into the second quarter, things look good, look strong, be prepared, and be ready. Thanks again to our guest, Mike Ovid, Rafa Kamar of Remax Next. We'll see you guys again next week, Wednesday, 10 a.m.